Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Today, I am going to continue where I left off from my last episode, episode 492, the 10 massive benefits of cutting out added sugar. Now, if you missed that episode, I highly recommend checking it out because I do share some pretty big whys and benefits for cutting out added and processed sugar because let's be honest, they are doing us no favors. And I think when it comes to making the decision to cut something out like processed sugar or maybe alcohol, Sometimes we just need to tap into the reasons or the whys or the benefits that really do support our body. For example, um, we were in Hawaii last week, and one of the commitments I made literally last week um, was that I was going to give up drinking alcohol for the rest of the year. And I had already made a commitment in early January, kind of a, a New Year's, I wouldn't call it a resolution, but just some of the intentions I wanted to create around my health for the new year. And one of them was to rarely drink alcohol and really feel into my body intentionally what it was doing for me and kind of go from there and decide what I wanted to do, how I wanted to kind of navigate the alcohol journey. Well, I was in Hawaii and one of my favorite nostalgic things to do is to get a Mai Tai. And I had, I had like one and then I had half of one and I kind of just connected in with my body. And let me tell you, I don't know if it was the combination of the alcohol and the added sugar because, gosh, Mai Tais bring the business when it comes to added sugar, but my body felt like complete crap. I didn't even enjoy drinking it when I was drinking it. And, you know, it had a lot to do with, you know, one, I already made this commitment in January to kind of feel out how I was going to feel about drinking. But then two, we had just finished a extension of my 14-day detox. My husband and I took it all the way to 28 days. So my liver and my gut were definitely in no mood to add any added toxins and added sugar to the mix. So it definitely hit harder than normal, but it allowed me to really check in and come with some really big whys as to why giving up alcohol for the rest of the year just really suited me. One, it wasn't, you know, drinking the way it felt, it just didn't feel great in my body. It wasn't how I wanted to show up for my family. It wasn't how I wanted to show up for my body. And it was clear that, you know, it just it just didn't feel good anymore. And so after tapping into those big whys and those truths for myself, I, I told my husband that I was going to commit to giving up alcohol for the rest of the year. I've had, you know, nine months. I actually have given up alcohol for more than, than nine months, probably a year and a half total. And it felt super great. But then I started having a drink every month or two, still very rare, but it was happening And as I stepped into this year, especially after the holidays where I had a couple extra glasses of champagne, I just realized, man, it's time to reevaluate this relationship. And the conversation that we're having today around three steps to cutting out refined sugar and banishing killer cravings for good, you know, I have really, you know, thought hard about my, my relationship with refined and processed sugar. And there have been many times that I have broken up with processed and added sugar for months at a time, for days at a time. And I'm of the mindset that for the most part, given the research and given how it feels in my body and given how easy it is for us to lean towards blood sugar instability and insulin resistance, it just doesn't serve me. So except with the exception of little treats here and there, again, with quality ingredients, 
I have cut out refined and processed sugar. And every time I do it for an extended period of time, I feel so much better. So I had a feeling that you maybe were in the same place where you have kind of been on the fence about, you know, removing added and processed sugar, or maybe you already have done it and you have, you know, family, friend or family member who's been thinking about it. And if they are, I would definitely highly recommend sharing these two episodes, episode 492 and episode 493. Now, as a sweet little little gift I wanted to hook you up with today before I even jump into this episode, I have this really amazing shaken smoothie guide that actually we pull from all the time. We're a big shaken smoothie family. I love making green smoothies. I actually made epic green smoothie for my son, Kingston. He's got a little fever and a little cough today, probably from our travel back home. And smoothies just always make him feel so much better. So I made him a really special, yummy kind of Valentine's Day smoothie with frozen raspberries and frozen cauliflower and some vanilla protein powder and some green leafy greens. Like I, I hit all the really critical metabolically healthy ingredients that's going to help to boost his immune system. And so what you'll find is in this shaken smoothie guide, they are metabolically created protein forward green smoothies and shakes that really help you set your morning up with success, start to boost your metabolic function and help you to start cutting out added sugar. So I will have the download in the show notes along with episode 492 so that you can go and check out and grab it when you get a chance. Okay, let's get into the game plan for cutting out sugar and crushing your cravings for good. First, it's important to remind you that the ideal approach to cutting out sugar will vary by each person, right? Because there's a ton of factors to consider, including your fasting blood sugar, your metabolism, your health, your age, the people in your life, where you work, the amount of sleep you're getting, right? There's a lot of considerations here. But there are a number of simple approaches that can be super helpful to just about anyone at any baseline level, no matter where you are starting from. And here's the deal. It's not just about sugar. Yes, sugary sodas, even diet sodas, juices, desserts, candies, cupcakes, you know, tend to cause the sharpest and highest increase in blood sugar. But obviously, there's other sources of carbohydrates as well, particularly refined grains like breads, cracker, pasta, cereals right, that have been stripped of all of its fiber and really all of the nutrients that can really break down rapidly into glucose in the body and spike your blood sugar levels. Now, I know that that might sound like just about everything lurking in your kitchen, especially your cabinets, but you'll soon see that's actually not that overwhelming and it's really easy to change. So I want to jump into how do you even start? Well, here are the first three steps to living a life free of processed and added sugar. Number one, is to eliminate added sugars and acellular carbs. Now, the easiest and most important first step after a period of eating sweets and highly processed foods is to cut out the acellular carbs for a month or two. These are carbohydrates that have been broken down and their fiber has been removed. All of the enzymes have been removed. Basically, it is just, you know, it's down to the wheat and it's most likely going to spike your blood sugar. These carbs include refined sugars such as table sugar, high fructose corn syrup, natural sugars and sweeteners such as honey and maple syrup, refined carbohydrates such as white rice or anything made from flour like breads, crackers, cereals, pastas, and juices, as well as prepared foods containing these individual ingredients and these types of foods. Now, when you focus on eating whole, minimally processed foods, you naturally avoid almost all of these ingredients. Of course, whole foods like fruits, beans, sweet potatoes still contain carbohydrates and definitely some natural sugars. They generally are in lower quantities in terms of processed sugar or sugar in general, 
and they generally aren't going to deregulate your blood sugar or cause massive blood sugar spikes, especially when you're combining fruits like apples and strawberries and blueberries and beans and sweet potatoes with other foods as well. If they're integrated into a stir fry or they're integrated into a salad or they're added into a green smoothie, right? A lot of these types of foods end up really going well with protein and healthy fats to create a really great metabolically healthy meal and they end up feeding your microbiome as well. So just some things to be thinking about. Your gut bugs absolutely love complex carbohydrates and those are the things like fruits, beans, and sweet potatoes that I was just talking about. And now, if consumed in moderation, right, when we're talking about these types of foods, they help our digestion, they buffer blood sugar spikes, and they are amazing for our overall gut and liver health. Still, it's important to keep in mind that there are sneaky sources of added sugar that can pop up in things like frozen vegetables with sauces, frozen meals, salad mixes, and even salad dressings. We know that marinades, stir fry sauces, prepared foods from the grocery store, hot bar, dried fruits, nut mixes, non-dairy milks like oat milk, and flavored coffee and tea beverages, right? So we think about all the sneaky sources, and that's why it's really important to really get good at looking at ingredients labels even more so than nutritional labels, because that'll really tell you what you're working with, right? I immediately, anytime I'm picking up, especially anything packaged for my son, if the ingredient list is the first thing I go to, I'm always looking for how many ingredients are there. Do I know these ingredients? You know, what are these ingredients are disguised as sugar, right? Because there's so many names for sugar these days. And to avoid unintentionally spiking your blood sugar, here's how to find sneaky added sugar ingredients in food labels. So you're looking for glucose, sucrose, fructose, lactose, dextrose, maltose, malt sugar, malt syrup, maltodextrin, corn syrup, cane syrup, brown sugar, agave nectar, coconut sugar, honey, maple syrup, brown rice syrup, beet sugar, molasses, fruit juice concentrates. Honestly, the list goes on. I know in my first book, and the EO hormone solution, I think I have a list of like 50 different sugar names. So if you are looking for that, and you can absolutely just go and Google it, so that you get a good good sense of what you're looking for on your nutrition label if you're looking at packaged foods. Number two, it's about focusing on what you can eat, right? This is so important. I always need, especially when it comes to my 14-day detox, I give all of the community members who decide to do it with me a yes and no foods list. And, you know, I make it a no-brainer. And there are some, not to lie, there are some gray area foods, right? There's always a little bit of wiggle room one direction or the other, but they get a big old yes list and they get a decent sized no list. And the goal and intention here is that there's no guessing, right? It's super clear. You just focus on what you can eat and work from there. So the best rule of thumb is to really know what your metabolic and hormone loving foods actually look like. This doesn't have to be complex, right? Remember that these include meals that are high in quality proteins, fats, fiber, and lastly, the right types of carbs, right? Like resistant starches and and carbs that, again, as a whole, are going to really support your gut microbiome and add to the general nutrition of your diet. It's easy to dwell on what you can't and shouldn't eat, but do yourself a favor and put the main focus on what you're going to eat more than rather than what you're going to avoid. Overall, you want to formulate your meals and snacks with a variety of nutrient-dense whole foods that together provide protein, fat, and fiber, which are going to help boost satiety, keep your blood sugar level stable, and reduce cravings for sugar. So this is how you do that, right? Because it's one thing to say it. But how you do that, number one, is think protein-focused. So I say never skip on protein. 
when we have suboptimal protein intake, especially for us as women, especially different parts of our cycle, where we really don't want to skip on protein is going to be when we're heavy lifting in our follicular phase or doing major resistance training and HIIT training or in our luteal phase as we are, we're high hormone status and our body is pulling more nutrients for that basically for the lining of our uterus, right? Because your body isn't sure exactly like, is it preparing for pregnancy or is it starting all over again? This is a very high energetic process that requires more food and more energy coming in as food sources. So I always want to be mindful. There's definitely different parts of our cycle where protein intake is a must. And what I know to be true is that most women are have significant protein deficiency. Like most of us are not getting enough protein. And that has been me as well. Like I have really struggled to get as much protein over the last several years. And so I'm intentionally really working on that. So what you're aiming for is about 0.75 grams per pound of body weight or 100 plus grams for a 150 pound person, 150 pound woman or man too. Quality animal protein can be grass-fed beef, wild salmon, pasture-raised chicken, no added hormones or antibiotics, even eggs are great. But also you can hit your protein quota with plant sources as well, right? Talking about like pea-based protein powders, quinoa, beans, rice. I mean, be mindful with rice as well. But there are ways that we can hit those protein quotas with plant sources. You got to work a little bit harder to do that, but it can be done. I'm a big fan of a lot of fish and we don't eat a lot of eggs anymore, but I used to do fish and eggs. So fish is a big part of our protein profile. Turkey is a big piece. And then we integrate a lot of plant-based protein sources as well. Also, you're going to find that I recommend high quality protein powder for my smoothie and shake guides. One of the things that I'm not known for when it comes to my essentially whole supplement line is that I carry really incredible high quality protein powders. I have a bone broth protein powder in chocolate and vanilla, and my family goes gaga for that. We often use the chocolate, but I have the vanilla too. And then the other protein powder that I have is a pea isolate. And I love it because so often the pea-based or hemp-based, plant-based protein isolate powders on the market do not bring the business when it comes to the essential amino acids that you need to actually build muscle mass. And this particular protein powder, this pea-based protein powder, does have it. Like I made sure that it had an extensive amount of those essential amino acids really necessary to get the benefits of building muscle mass. So if you're looking for protein powders that are autoimmune friendly and are minimally processed, as minimally processed as one could be, and you're looking for really clean, high quality protein powder, definitely go and check out the Essentially Whole store. Now, I'm not gonna lie, it's not the cheapest stuff on the market. It's not whey-based protein. It's not rice-based protein. It's high, high quality protein. And you just have to ask yourself, like, what am I willing to put in my body, right? And so for me and my family, I only want the best when it comes to nutrition. And so that's why I formulated these really incredible protein powders. So I'll have the link if you wanna go check those out as well. I do mention those in the shake guide in case you want to take a look at how I integrate them into the smoothies. Next, let's talk about carbs. I am still a big fan of carbs. It's just a matter of getting carbs that really support our bodies. So you want to switch over to whole food carbohydrates. So while acellular carbs are a no-go, whole food carbs are a full body yes. With these foods, the sugar and starch is wrapped up in a fibrous matrix so your body 
gets to have to exert more effort, right? Breaking it down, chewing and the action of digestive enzymes to break all these carbs down, minimizing the blood sugar impact. Great options include squash, sweet potato, beans, lentils, low glycemic berries, even like plantains are great. And other blood sugar-friendly fruits such as apples, pears, kiwis, oranges. You know how much I love berries and cherries and limes, lemons, grapefruits, you know, even in your water. You know, you can really get creative. And just note that all of those options that I mentioned are not only keep you fuller, but your gut microbiome loves these foods. And we always got to be thinking about when we're considering metabolically healthy meals, What are we doing to support our gut and liver? That always needs to be a part of the conversation. Now, while whole food carbs also encompass things like whole grains, like oats, quinoa, and brown rice, and then tropical fruits like mango, papaya, and pineapple, these are more likely to elicit a blood sugar response. And it's really important that you know if you're struggling with insulin resistance, these foods may actually end up kind of increasing blood sugar variability. So, you know, always in small quantities, if you know you're struggling with insulin resistance, if you've got great metabolic flexibility, these types of foods are really great as well. And then always pair carbs with protein and healthy fats to buffer a rise in blood sugar. And if you have one, use your continuous glucose monitor or finger prick glucose test to help guide consumption of these foods by observing what causes sharp rises for you. Our glycemic response definitely is highly individual. And honestly, it's based on so many other things how you slept the night before, what your workout looked like, how much stress you're dealing with, all of those things. But, you know, for me in wearing a glucose monitor for quite some time, oh gosh, almost two years now on and off, I have learned that I do so much better with carbs in the morning and, you know, at lunch than I do at dinner. So dinner, I often focus on protein, veggies, healthy fats. And then in the morning, like I have my green smoothie with all kinds of berries, And, you know, for lunch, I may have quinoa, salad, and salmon. It just depends. But I've noticed that I can get away with more carbs and more, you know, fructose-forward fruits in the early part of the day when I still have, I'm in more of a thermogenic state than I am later in the evening where my body is slowing down and my metabolism is slowing down, gearing ready to go to bed. So just something to consider. Also, another thing to consider, and I'm going to have a full episode on this coming up, is that there's different times of the month based on your cycle when carbs are more critical and you know we get much more benefit from consuming carbs and then there's other times of our cycle where we do best without carbs you know we can focus more on i wouldn't call it more ketogenic but definitely being a more fat burning zone of that metabolic flexibility So I'm going to be sharing a lot about how we can eat and move our bodies according to our female biological process and how that works with their circadian rhythm. So women have a 28-day cycle and rhythm, and we also have a circadian rhythm. And so how do those two work together so that we fire up our metabolism and really get the most benefit out of supporting our hormones and firing up our metabolic health so that we feel great? For many, many years to come. And then find satisfying replacements for your high carb faves, right? So you're not going to want to, I know it's hard to break up with, (laughs) with carbohydrates that you love. So if you love a good sandwich, ditch the traditional bread and try some alternative sandwich alternatives, right? Collard or nori wraps. We love lettuce wraps too, with all kinds of things. We also love siete, tortillas as well, especially some of their, like their almond flour tortilla. And if you're struggling to, you know, break up with 
cereal or oatmeal. You, they're definitely low-carb oatmeal alternatives like warm chia, flax, and hemp pudding. And if you need a soda fix, definitely try fizzy waters. I talk about this all the time, how I'm actually sitting next to my big 30-ounce Stanley because we are inseparable. And I have what Kingston calls um, sparky tea. And it is passion tea with Pellegrino, a sparkling water, and I have a half a squeeze of lime in it. And oh my goodness, I take it everywhere because you can't even get a really sexy iced tea at any restaurant. And so I kind of, this is kind of my version of a mocktail, a super healthy blood sugar friendly mocktail. And it tastes so yummy. So I usually take this big Stanley cup to me with me everywhere I go. It often has sparkly tea in it. And it always, it's either tea or water. It's decaf tea and water or So that, because Kingston, as you can imagine, loves to drink out of my Stanley cup. It's definitely his second water bottle. So anytime I take this with me, I always make sure that it's Kingston approved as well, because I promise you he is going to drink it one way or the other. All right. So those are just some things to be thinking about when it comes to high carb faves. And I think, you know, it's so important that we're swapping things out, you know, that we have food swap options. In my EO Hormone Solution, I have a huge section on food swaps so that you're getting the crunchiness that you would love from chips and crackers, that you are getting the chewiness that you love from a protein bar, granola bar or something. Like there's ways that you can swap out foods so that it feels like the same texture and the same feel, same mouthfeel, I guess you can say, but you're eating really to support your metabolic health. And then what's super important here when we're talking about foods that we love to integrate is load up on fiber-rich veggies and plants. So research has shown that people who eat an average of 35 grams of fiber per day have better blood sugar markers than people who average only 20 grams and better blood sugar control that translates into fewer sugar cravings over the course of the day. That's one reason Levels experts recommend 30 to 50 grams of fiber per day. I recommend 30 to 50 grams of fiber per day as well. It's not easy to get, but if you're intentional, you can do it. So make sure that you're eating plenty of fiber-rich foods. These are talking about non-starchy veggies such as leafy greens, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, and any other plant foods that you absolutely love. And one of the best ways to do this, because it's one thing to say, hey, just add more plants into your diet, but roasting is a great way. Stir fry is a great way. Salads are a great way. That's the way that we do it every single day is I I look at the meal that we're going to have And then I roast a big thing of broccoli or a big thing of Brussels sprouts or butternut squash, or we'll saute some broccoli, we'll saute some some spinach. And then I love, love, there's not any time of the year where I am not obsessed with making salads. So again, just, just become obsessed with this becoming a part of your daily routine. And again, you can batch cook so much of this stuff, especially roasting. When we were on the detox, which we're about to get back on again, because we just felt so good, we were roasting probably three to four times a week, but it was super easy. It was super nutritionally dense, warming, and um, and it just had you feeling so much more full. And then we have lastly here, when it comes to foods that you should focus on eating, is quality fat sources. So we definitely want to avoid the wrong fats, right? Vegetable oil, soybean oil, corn oil, canola oil, right? All the nasty processed seed oils on the market. We know that this causes inflammation and insulin resistance. So you always want to opt for high quality cooking oils and fats like avocado oil, butter, ghee, coconut oil. And then I love, love olive oil on salads. I love it on, you know, putting it over roasted vegetables, making dressings out of it. Again, You can also add in nutrient-dense whole food sources. You know how much I love avocados. Nuts, seeds, and fatty fish are a great way to ensure that you're getting, you know, that high-quality healthy fats that our body so desperately needs to function. 
And then number three, eat a savory metabolic boosting breakfast that is protein focused so that you feel fuller longer. You know, what and when you eat in the morning has the potential to either stop potential cravings or drive potential cravings. So always start by attacking the first third of the day and make sure that your breakfast is blood sugar friendly. This prevents blood sugar crashes and subsequent low energy cravings and overeating throughout the day. So the type of breakfast that I'm talking about is an egg scramble with avocado, veggies, and sausage, like a turkey sausage, a tofu and veggie scramble if you are plant-focused, chia pudding with protein powder, Greek yogurt with nuts and berries, any of my go-to smoothie and shake recipes that, again, you can easily go and download as a gift today. And, you know, there's so many other things that you could be considering making. One of the things that I love to do for breakfast, I talk about it all the time, is leftovers. I just eat what we had the day before. Again, I'm a big fan of batch cooking. And when I'm making food for dinner, I'm always thinking about, is there going to be enough for breakfast and lunch the next day or two, right? That's my always my mindset because I don't know about you, but leftovers is the easiest thing to make. And I know that I was super conscientious and intentional about what we had for dinner. And there's no reason why that can't pass on over to breakfast too. But if you are a big breakfast person, you love breakfast foods, those are some great ideas that I just gave to you. And the other thing I really want to mention, and I talk about this a lot on the show, is that you don't want to wait too, too long to eat in the morning. While many intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding protocols may have you hold off on your first meal until noon, that doesn't always work for everybody's body. And especially for women, depending on where we are in our cycle, you know, in our follicular phase, we have a lot more wiggle room when it comes to intermittent fasting. But when you hit the luteal phase, let me tell you, your body is not looking to go till 12 p.m. every day when it is desperately looking for nutrients to support your reproductive system. Plus, I believe, based on the research that I've seen, it's much better to eat with the rise and fall of the sun called your circadian-based fasting schedule. And I have dedicated so many episodes to this very topic, so you should definitely go and check those out. I think I just did one recently where I tie a lot of this together to really support your hormones, your health, and your life. It's also important to note that waiting too long to eat in the morning might contribute to low blood sugar, cravings, and overeating later because your body is simply over it. So for best results, experiment with breaking your fast at different times. For instance, one to four hours after waking and see what feels best to you. Or consider eating dinner earlier so that you'll find yourself ready to break your fast early in the morning. This circadian-based, time-restricted type of fasting is great for women in their 40s and beyond because it works with our hormones, and you're going to be learning about this in future episodes. Um, And the bottom line is this. It's so critical for each and every one of us to eliminate added processed sugar and dangerous sugary ingredients and even acellular, basically kind of garbage carbs, right, that are really doing nothing for us. And focus on what you can eat, especially protein, fats, and fiber, right? These are my hormone and metabolically healthy, loving foods. And then focus on eating a savory, metabolic-boosting breakfast to feel fuller longer. Incorporate smoothies and shakes into your routine to make it super, super easy. And then also look into trying circadian-based time-restricted fasting. And note that you're fasting, if you're doing intermittent fasting, that there's going to be ebbs and flows in regards to fasting. You know, Dr. Mindy Pels, who I just had on the show earlier this year in January, she has a book called Fast Like a Girl because we have to have an approach to intermittent fasting very differently than men do because if we are overly doing it, 
it creates more of a detriment for us. We go into survival mode. We go into fat storage mode because our bodies are in self-preservation. So there's some definitely some considerations here. We get to consider our bodies. We get to consider our cycles. We get to consider our circadian rhythms when it comes to eating what we eat to when we restrict our window. And you know how you do that at day 13 of your cycle is going to be very, very different than how you do that on day 28 of your cycle. And so the, I'll be diving deeper into, you know, how can we look at our cycle as a superpower and really dictate how we take care of our body, how we eat, how we move our body in accordance to where our body is at hormonally and metabolically because our bodies are constantly changing and dynamic and we really need to honor that process opposed to continuing to pretend that we're small men which we are not. So if you loved the information in this episode and you are down to give it a go, right? To start eliminating the processed sugar and the added sugar. I hope that these three steps were helpful. Again, eliminating the added and processed sugar is probably the first easiest step. And then starting to slowly getting rid of the um, acellular carbs would be that next step. But if you can focus on the food that you can eat, it gets to be a lot easier. And note that the first seven days, anytime you give up sugar, it's going to be hard because sugar is addictive. That is the way it is. That's why we eat so much freaking sugar. So just note, give yourself a lot of grace, get some support as well. Have a buddy doing it with you. The first seven days of our 14-day detox is a little bit of a wild ride because a lot of all the acellular and processed and added sugar is completely cut out. Even grains, not that they're fully acellular carbohydrates by any means. And your body takes a minute to adjust to that. And so just note that if it feels like a struggle those first couple of days as you start to get rid of the processed sugar and the added sugar, that's because your sugar is trying to just have a stronghold on your brain and your dopamine receptors. And it's always going to be a little bit of a wild ride. Now, if you love these tips, always be sure to subscribe to the show for more easy tips to heal your hormones and to upgrade your health. And if you got a chance, feel free to quickly review the show. That way more women are tuning in to learn more about their bodies and becoming the CEO of their health. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.